This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. Words of Integration and Guidance by Marcus Borg. God wills our liberation, our exodus from Egypt. God wills our reconciliation, our return from exile. God wills our enlightenment, our scene. God wills our forgiveness, our release from sin and guilt. God wills that we see ourselves as God's beloved. God wills our resurrection, our passage from death to life. God wills for us food and drink that satisfy our hunger and thirst. God wills, comprehensively, our well-being, not just my well-being as an individual, but the well-being of all of us and of the whole of creation. In short, God wills our salvation, our healing here on earth. The Christian life is about participating in the salvation of God. A reading of scripture from Exodus 12, verses 1 through 14. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall mark for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the tenth of this month, they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. If a household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbor in obtaining one. The lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat it. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a year-old male. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of this month. Then the whole assembled congregation of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the lamb that same night. They shall eat it roasted over the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted over the fire with its head, legs, and inner organs. You shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. This is how you shall eat it, your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it hurriedly. It is the Passover of the Lord. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both human beings and animals. On all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be a day of remembrance for you. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you shall observe it as a perpetual ordinance. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew chapter 18, 15 to 20. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. 
But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. For the word of God in Scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Does anyone still use a planner? Wow. There we go. My goodness, so many. Like, a, like the paper printed planner, right? Like it's got the dates in it. You use ink to write on it. Pencil. Or pencil. <laughs> very good, very good. I don't anymore. Maybe I should. Uh, but I remember back when I used to do that, you'd get like the academic calendar one, you know, and you'd kind of keep track of classes and what's going on. And I would write things that were happening or things that happened afterwards because I used it as sort of a way to remember things that happened. Like I met two new friends today or when I was first in college I had a back injury so I had to swim and do physical therapy. You know, So I did my exercises. I went swimming. Chemistry 101 sucks. You know, things, important life moments and rememberings. And then at the end of the year or some point I could look back and say, oh, what happened last year at this time or what happened uh, earlier and remember things that I'd forgotten. And often that's why we write things down to remember them. Are we more forgetful these days now that we write things down on our phones and our laptops and have apps and Google Calendar and Facebook to remember things for us. What do you think? Are we, do you think yes. Does that hurt our memory, you think? I, I don't know. I'm just wondering. But now, uh, in fact, when you open Facebook, at least uh, on occasion, it will open with a memory. It'll list a memory on your timeline. Right? You've seen this if you're on Facebook? I opened Facebook the other day and it said, Brian, we care about you. <laughs> not even, I'm not, this is, this is word for word. It said, Brian, we care about you and the memories that you share here. We thought that you'd like to look back on this post from three years ago. And the warm feelings I get knowing that Facebook cares for me, I mean, it's just really hard to, hard to describe. But in some ways, it's kind of cool. It's kind of a cool feature, right? Because something will pop up that you had forgotten, right? And so you'll see this picture from like five years ago, a camping trip you went on, or some friends you hung out with, this event that you hadn't even thought about for some time, and there it shows up. And it reminds you. It's kind of cool. Sometimes you want to remember that weekend or that trip or that cat video that might be worth watching one more time. <laughs> Memory is an interesting thing. The writer, uh, Maria Konnikova, says, Memory is like a journal. 
selective, incomplete, and subject to interpretation. So she knows that when we journal certain things, we write down something that was significant about that event enough for us to write it down. And then we begin to remember that event through what it was we wrote down. So the things, the features, or whatever it was we wrote down grow in significance over time. But the things that weren't as important to write down sometimes fade, even though they were just as real a part of whatever that original event was. In ancient times, before printing and the ready availability of paper uh, for taking notes or journaling, a trained memory was important. The Roman philosopher Cicero notes how the, uh, the practice, the art of trained memory, uh, began in ancient Greece. And it involved constructing mental images of something. So you'd have a mental image that would remind you of something else. Okay, so you'd say, this candle is going to remind me of whatever, this thing I'm trying not to forget, trying to remember. And then you would visually place it along a familiar building or a known path. And they would be spaced out, spatially discrete from each other. And so you'd have 5, 10, 15 options. You could train yourself to remember more things because then you would go into that familiar place in your memory, you'd remember the things you had placed, and as you walked along, you would say, oh, now I remember that, now I remember that, now I remember that. You're all trying this right now. <laughs> kind of interesting. Has anyone done anything like that? There are things that can help with test taking, or they I don't know. They still teach that in learning and memory courses. They still teach that in learning and memory courses. Okay, there you go. There you go. And this was called the method of loci, loci being the Latin word for places. Well, before they had planners or journals, and long before Google Calendar, how did they keep track of the time? Or remember, um, yeah, how did they keep track of months, days, events, things like that? Well, typically they would use the sun or the moon, right? So they'd have a solar-based or a lunar-based calendar. In fact, in ancient Egypt, uh, they had a solar calendar, unsurprisingly, as the sun was a featured part of the Egyptian pantheon of the gods. And our text today in Exodus talks about calendar. And it notes the moment Israel is about to leave Egypt. And Exodus 12, 2 says, This month shall mark for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. And so interestingly, here we have a historical event driving this calendar change. An event so striking and so powerful and so significant that it signals the start of the year. The Hebrew Bible scholar Nahum Sarna notes that although the celebration of a festival at this season, that is spring, we recall Passover is celebrated in the spring, Although the celebration of a festival at that time of year is quite common in the ancient Near East, the Israelite version belongs to a wholly different category from its contemporaries. In that this new year is now grounded neither in nature's renewal nor in mythology such as an event in the life of a god, but in a historic event, the liberation of a people from national oppression. He says, such a revolutionary phenomenon is without analogy in the ancient world. I don't know if that's true or if he's overstating it, but it's really interesting to think about. 
And so this event of liberation from slavery is so important that it's to be remembered in the most powerful of ways. We're literally going to begin our year when this event happened. How will we remember this key moment in the life of our people? We'll mark all other time, all other things that happen here and going forward. We're going to remember the date because it starts when God liberated us from slavery and oppression. Also, let's eat some food and drink some wine and tell the story of how this happened. And so over time, the Passover celebration developed and expanded, always centering around the telling. The telling or the Haggadah. That is the telling of the story of how Israel goes into Egypt, suffers for so long, and is rescued by God and led out by Moses into freedom. And central to the telling is the notion that in every generation, one must look upon himself or herself as if he or she personally had come out of Egypt. So the instruction is, as you celebrate this event, you are to say, God brought me out of slavery. The Torah says, you shall tell your son or your child on that day, saying, it is because of what the Eternal did for me in bringing me out from Egypt. What a powerful way of remembering. Right? We don't think about the Revolutionary War and say, when I was freed from Britain, right, or other historical events, we often just think of that was a long time ago. But here the invitation is to say, how is oppression happening right now in the world? How is it happening for me? How might I need to be freed? How might I need to be a Moses who helps bring others out of freedom? And that's the invitation in memory and in remembering, particularly in this Passover celebration. And some of you have participated in a Seder. In fact, we, uh, we had an interfaith freedom Seder for the earth that we celebrated this past year right here at the Arts Council. And it was a powerful time. It's a powerful time. It's one of my favorite nights of the whole year. This invitation to recall not only this event, but to recall how might God be acting and calling people into life and freedom today. Annie Dillard puts it this way. She says, I would like to learn or remember how to live. I would like to learn or remember. And so when we remember, sometimes it helps us know how am I to live today. The introduction to that interfaith Seder that we shared says about 3,000 years ago, ancient Israelites fused the shepherd spring farmers or the shepherd spring celebration of the burning of lambs and the farmer's spring celebration of the sprouting of barley into a celebration of their liberation from slavery and the downfall of a tyrant at the hands of Yahweh, the breath of life. They celebrated the overthrow of tyrants by gathering a million strong. So this is now some time later, right, in the history of the people of Israel. This was a pilgrimage celebration. So not only did they remember it and celebrate it, but if at all possible, they would actually travel during this season of the year to Jerusalem 
and celebrate the Savior, the Passover, there. In fact, the Seder ends with next year in Jerusalem. Next year in Jerusalem with that hope that one day, as in days of old, we could celebrate this powerful story of liberation actually in Israel as the, ancient, as the, as the ancients did. And then that Seder notes that this Passover story and celebration entered the memory stream of Christianity as well. So for those of us who are not Jewish, but in fact uh, are followers of Jesus or consider ourselves Christians, this in a way is a part of our story as well. Through the Palm Sunday demonstrations of a group of Jews who came to ancient Israel one spring, part of the general Jewish ferment against the Roman Empire. This particular group was led by Jesus, waving palm branches as a symbol of resistance. And then it says it entered Christianity more deeply still through the teachings of Jesus in the Last Supper, which seems to have been, in fact, a Passover Seder. And as we'll note in a few moments, as Jesus shared that meal in the Exodus, in the Passover style, he says, do this in remembrance of me. Exactly what God says in this original text in Exodus 12. As you're leaving, this shall be a remembrance for you. You're not just going to eat in haste right now. This will be a a remembrance for you for the generations to come. And in modern times, the experience of slavery for African Americans here in this nation and their hope for liberation were crystallized into so many songs and thousands of sermons about the exodus of the ancient Israelites from slavery. When we remember, we are invited to consider how are we to live? How are we to be today? Frederick Buechner says the time is ripe for looking back over the day, the week, the year, and trying to figure out where we have come from and where we are going to for sifting through the things we have done and the things we have left undone to find a clue of who we are and who we are going to become. Remembering matters. We remember those who have gone before us and who have invested their lives in us. We remember those who have struggled for justice and peace over the ages. We remember those today for whom justice still seems in short supply, perhaps due to the color of their skin, their status on a piece of paper, their God-given sexual orientation or identity, or whatever else it might be. We remember... And when we remember God leading Israel out of Egypt, we have hope in our own struggles. When we remember Jesus eating with prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners, we know that there is space for us at the table as well. When we share bread and wine, We remember this ancient festival and that in every generation, God desires all of humanity, you and I and everyone else, each person made in the divine image to be liberated, to be truly free inside and out. Amen.
and namaste. to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Holland Area Arts Council in downtown Holland. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org. Music